Good afternoon and welcome back to our latest Fraser Rander podcast. My name is Ben Cooper and today I'm joined by my colleague Adam McGeek. Since our last podcast, there's been a lot going on with new GDP data, Bank of England interest rates announcements and a new Scottish business monitor. Adam, good morning. Thanks for joining me. Good morning, Ben. Could you start us off today with a bit of an update on what's been happening across the UK and Scottish economy in recent weeks? Yeah, so as ever, uh, we have lots of new economic data to uh, look at and check the pulse of the Scottish and UK economy. So the latest data we have this week is the ONS's labour market stats, which saw unemployment in Scotland at 3.1%. This compares to the UK as a whole of around 3.9%, and the employment rate in Scotland slightly below the UK rate at 75.3%. Interestingly, we've seen inactivity rise in Scotland, now 22.2% compared to 21% in the UK. And there has been a bit of a a divergence in inactivity rates. So the UK rate has fallen while Scotland has risen. And in recent years, we have seen more of a convergence in these rates. But in the latest data, it seems that Scotland is now performing a bit worse than the UK overall. This is mostly driven by employment of women um, falling uh, out of uh, employment and and into inactivity. And and it's important to note what actually is economic inactivity. So to be counted as employed, you need to be actively seeking work um, over the last four weeks, and you need to be available to start work in the next two weeks. Um, So we've seen this rise in inactivity um, in Scotland. Concerningly, and, and what a lot of people are uh, continually talking about, is this inactivity driven by long-term sickness. So essentially, if you've been sick for, for more than 12 months, um, and we've seen an uptick in this since COVID across the UK, um, but if we look particularly at Scotland, um, we perform pretty poor on this measure. Uh, and when we think about the the, the types of uh, local authorities in Scotland um, and how they're impacted, we've got some uh, local authorities like Inverclyde, Renfrewshire, uh, South and North Ayrshire, um, ranking as some of the worst uh, in Great Britain when it comes to economic inactivity due to long-term sickness. And just a while back, we posted uh, some analysis on our, on our website that we carried out on uh, the impact COVID has had on long-term sickness. And what we found as well, long COVID is not listed uh, as a reason for being economically inactive um, due to sickness. Uh, there's another uh, option, so not otherwise listed, um, that there seems to be a bit of an uptick in people responding with that um, during these types of labour surveys. And there's also been an uptick in those reporting mental health and depression issues. So these are our key concerns when we think about uh, the health of, of our labour market. And all of this as well contributes to the tight labour market we have. So the tight labour market means that we have too few uh, jobs and, and not enough people to fill them. Um, and, and what we've seen in, in, recent, uh, in recent years is, is this really tight labour market in the Scottish and UK economy. Um, and although vacancies have kind of fallen from their, their peak that we saw last year, they're still... Uh, when we look uh, over the longer term, pretty high. Um, So overall, it'll be interesting to see uh, how economic inactivity um, kind of impacts this tight labour market we've got. Um, Because there's obviously good reasons uh, for being inactive, for example, being a student um, or or being in early retirement. Um, But what we've seen in in some of the latest data is is, uh, the number of people um, that are inactive due to being a student is actually coming down a bit. So during COVID, we a lot of people took up education um, 
Uh, and, and and now we might see some of that come down and, and them join in the labour market. So this might ease some of the kind of tightness in the labour market. Uh, and, and also there's obviously uh, a push um, to get those from early retirement back into the labour market. So that might also um, ease this tightness. Um, and another thing as well um, that we need to look out for, so looking at the reasoning behind this inactivity and how this might contribute to labour market, labour market tightness, but also looking at wages. So when you have a really tight labour market, uh, workers have that kind of bargaining power to bargain up their wages. And uh, it will be interesting to see how kind of wage growth fares um, over the next while. Uh, to see how tight that labour market is. So we'll be keeping on a close eye on the headline uh, labour market uh, indicators uh, and also uh, wages and some of the reasons behind this inactivity. But as I mentioned, you know, economic um, or our labour market is um, tight and, and we do have too few people chasing these, these uh, jobs. Um, and this is factoring into the Bank of England's latest decision last week to increase the, the base rate uh, from 4.25% uh, to 4.5%. So some of the reasons along with this labour market tightness is just the fact that inflation is stubbornly high. Inflation stands at about 10.1% as of March. Um, and when we look at things like food and non-alcoholic drink, this is as high as 19.1%. And this is a lot higher than uh, the Euro area or the US, for example. Um, and, and, and our core inflation, which is uh, inflation uh, excluding things like food and fuel, so typically seen as a bit of domestic demand-driven inflation, uh, because food and fuels are, are quite influenced by the internal market and, and that volatility. Um, core inflation is still above 5%, and this is something the Bank of England will be watching closely to see how that changes. But nonetheless, you know, we are expecting new figures next week for April's inflation um, and we will uh, see uh, what the Bank of England decides at the 22nd of June, um, whether they do end up increasing the, the, the base rate once again. We have seen, though, the kind of voting intentions uh, of the Monetary Policy Committee change uh, over the last wee while. So you have really hawkish voters like um, Catherine Mann, who typically vote for quite uh, significant uh, increases in the base rate. Now they're voting more in line uh, with the rest of the Monetary Policy Committee. Um, and, and in the last last uh, vote um, that was done last week, there was a bit more of a consensus of that 0.25 percentage point rise. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how they um, react to the latest inflation figures out next week. And if we do see um, the, the base rate increase once again, which would be the 13th consecutive rise if they do so next month. Um, but, you know, as part of their um, decision making last week, they published their monetary policy report. And that did show that the, the bank does expect inflation to come down uh, next month and continue to come down throughout the year, uh, reaching about 5% uh, by the end of the year. Um, and of course, that's still um, a lot higher than the 2% target that the Bank of England uh, has for itself. Um, but still, they do expect rates to come down a bit slower than previously thought, but still coming down to about 5% by the end of the year. Um, one thing important to note as well is this does not mean prices are going to come down. It just means the rate at which they are growing is going to come down. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the data next week tells us on in inflation and, and, and how the bank, how the bank's monetary policy committee decides to vote next month.
And of course, in anticipation of next week's inflation data, uh, we also had uh, updated <clears throat> monthly GDP data for the UK economy last week. Um, so I wonder if you could just tell me, you know, the burning answer that burning question, um, are we headed for a recession? Yeah, it's a great question and something um, that we've all been watching closely and, and, and with economic forecasting, it's always extremely difficult to do in a time of great uncertainty and we're constantly seeing these uh, forecasts revised, but you know, it does look as though things are are not as bad as what we thought. So when we look at um, the quarter one growth figures for the UK economy, the economy did grow by 0.1%. Uh, so we had growth in January, no growth in February, and a contraction in March, um, particularly driven by uh, kind of consumer-facing uh, uh, services, which still, um, you know, stands below about 10% below pre-pandemic levels. Um, but, you know, January and February, when we look at just our Scottish data, because we don't have March data available yet, um, you know, the Scottish economy also saw growth. Um, and this all supports the view that we potentially will dodge a technical recession. And a technical recession is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And, and, and just going back a wee bit to the Bank of England's publication last week, they um, set out their latest projections for growth of, of, of the economy. And what they expect is uh, kind of no growth for the first half of this year, uh, followed by overall growth of about 0.4%, 0.7% next year, and 0.8% in 2025. Um, so we're not seeing that contraction um, that we were once expecting, uh, especially when we consider the, the OBR's uh, forecast back in March after the budget, um, where they saw a, a contraction happening this year, followed by growth of about 1.8% next year, and then over 2% in subsequent years. Um, so when we do compare growth, you know, outside of 2023 and kind of beyond, so 24, 25, the Bank of England's projections are a bit anemic in comparison, so it's pretty low growth of under 1%. So the outlook has improved um, in, in the last um, couple of months, but it's kind of improved from bad to pretty weak. Um, but still, nonetheless, has improved. And this chimes with um, consumers and how they're feeling. When we look at the Scottish government's consumer sentiment indicator, uh, we saw some really sharp falls towards the end of last year, in fact. Uh, expectations around household spending fell to uh, their lowest levels and have since bounced back a bit. Although all indicators on aggregate are negative, but they have improved. Um, there's only one indicator that is positive in Q1's uh, results for uh, consumer sentiment, and that is expectations around the Scottish economy. So consumers are feeling that although overall there are challenges, they are feeling that wee bit better and a wee bit optimistic as well. So yeah, to perhaps lead on from that, you know, you're you're discussing there that consumers are feeling feeling a bit more optimistic, and there is that that cause for for a bit more optimism. Um, of course, last week we published our latest uh, Scottish Business Monitor for quarter one of 2023. Um, does this translate through to businesses? Does it seem from from the survey that businesses are feeling a bit more optimistic too? Yeah, great question. Um, so yeah, as you said, we published our Scottish Business Monitor. So this is our quarterly survey of Scottish firms. Every quarter we have asked about four or five hundred firms in Scotland, um, you know, questions around how they're how they're operating, um, you know, their expectations around the economy and so on. And we published this currently with um, Adelshaw Goddard, the, the the law firm, and um, we've been running this survey since 1998. So we've got a lot of data um, to base this off, and and business sentiment. Um, 
uh, is one indicator that we have captured data on for 25 years now or over at that actually. Um, and, and that's essentially, we ask firms, uh, how do you expect the volume of your business to be over the next six months? Uh, higher, the same or lower? And how we um, come up with this indicator is, you know, if we have more firms citing higher than lower, then this is a positive uh, result for this indicator. And we saw this uh, business sentiment fall into the red last year, bit of a recovery towards the turn of the year. Um, but now we've seen quite a bit of a recovery in, in quarter one, our latest results published last week. Um, so businesses are feeling a wee bit better, and this is shown up in a number of indicators. So uh, employment and, and, and operations. Um, what, what is quite concerning is, um, and, and we've reported on this quite a few times now is is expectations around future exporting and future um, business investment is still negative. Um, so when we think of, of of the kind of key drivers of productivity, that really is our business investment, how open we are as an economy and our trade. And 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 when we look at the kind of last 25 years, um, in recent times, business investment and export activity indicators in our monitor have been lagging and pretty poor. Um, and this raises some concerns over the kind of longer term uh, economic prosperity uh, for the Scottish economy and productive capacity as well. Um, and this is something we reflected on in our 25 years of the Scottish Business business Monitor that we, we published not too long ago. Um, but overall, you know, th th there has been that slight improvement in the shorter term. Um, we have seen business sentiment improve, which is great to see. Um, but when we think about, you know, when we ask firms, you know, how do you expect growth in the Scottish economy to go over the next year or so? Around three quarters of firms last quarter um, said that they expect growth to be weak or very weak. And this has come down to about 60 odd percent. Um, so there has been an improvement, but that still is a majority of firms expecting weak growth. So again, yes, the outlook has improved, um, but it's still a pretty weak outlook nonetheless. And so, you know, while there is some some optimism across firms, um, the, for many businesses out there, you know, it's still a difficult time in terms of higher energy costs and inflationary pressures in the economy. Does that still seem to be quite a pressing issue for firms at the moment? Yeah, so what we're seeing in the economy overall is um, gas price, oil and gas prices coming down to their peaks that we saw and in, in, in towards you know, coming from the end of uh, 21 and, and throughout 2022. Um, and this is now feeding into what businesses are saying to us as well. So we've been asking firms for the last year or so, how do you expect to change your operations over the next year, um, given the higher energy bills you're faced with? Um, and, and this actually, we saw in, in, in some quarters last year, up to 50% of firms, and this is across all industries as well, um, saying that they were expecting to reduce their operations due to higher energy bills. And now in our latest quarter, while this estimate is still higher than 39%, that is quite a reduction. So firms um, overall in aggregate um, aren't expecting uh, energy bills to feature into their to their operation decision as much this year than, than particular quarters uh, last year. Uh, but when we think at a kind of sectoral level, hospitality firms, there's still 50% of them citing that they expect to reduce their operations due to higher energy bills. Um, interestingly, we asked um, firms this quarter whether the UK government's energy bills discount scheme, which replaced the energy bills release scheme on the 1st of April, uh, will adequately support their business in the next year. And only 8% of respondent businesses felt that it would, while about 37% 
felt that it would not. And again, looking at hospitality, 60% of firms in this sector reported that the discount scheme would not adequately support them over the next year. Now, just on inflation, um, inflationary pressures, although are stubbornly high across the whole economy, based on our survey, they do seem to be easing slightly. Um, so that would be an important one to watch. So um, the majority of firms, though, um, around 69%, still expect to increase their prices uh, by more than a lot more than normal over the next year. But this does this is coming down from quite highs of around 80% last year. So we're seeing that ease slightly. Another thing using is supply chain pressures. Um, so this is using across um, different Scottish businesses. Um, and just 30% uh, of firms in our latest survey uh, said that they were finding it difficult to purchase goods and services. Um, and this is down from an 41% last quarter. But importantly, firms citing prices as a driver of their supply chain issues has increased to around 64%. So, Whilst these inflationary pressures are easing, it's important to note, and I, and I said this earlier as well, that this doesn't mean that prices are coming down and we are in a high price environment. And these are increasingly making it difficult for firms to get the inputs that they need due to this affordability. Um, and another thing as well, because prices are high, uh, as, as, as workers, uh, our, our workers are, are um, uh, wanting higher wages. And um, what we've seen because of this uh, squeeze in household um, finances is uh, an increase in, in, in wage growth. And because of this, we've now seen in our latest survey that employee costs and wages are cited by businesses as being the main cost drivers over the last three months, and they're expected to continue that way over the next six months and this is outweighing um things like credit costs and, and, and energy bills um, so what we're seeing now is yes uh, this whole cost of living crisis was um caused by a, 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 an energy crisis originally um but now that th these energy uh, prices are beginning to ease or wane slightly um, the kind of aftermath, this high price environment, is is really driving um, kind of wage inflation and, and supply chain issues, uh, concerns around affordability. Well, Adam, thank you. I think that's been a really, really insightful update. Um, thanks very much for taking the time to join me today. Uh, you can read our full uh, business monitor if you are interested on our website uh, at fraserofallander.org. Um, and where you can also find all of our other recent work and publications. Uh, and you can keep up to date with all of our work via our Twitter. Um, our handle is at strath underscore FAI. We'll be back in a few weeks with another episode of the Fraser Valander podcast. But until then, we hope you have a great weekend.